What's up, fellas? Welcome to the global live stream. If you got your Bible, I want you to hold two spots, one in Mark chapter four and the other in Romans six. Those are two main passages that we're gonna look at today. If you're joining us for the first time, we're in a series called Fully Defined. And let me encourage you to click the download notes button because it really helps for you, not just to see the scripture, but also to do the fill-ins and learn. And then secondly, you can reteach this to your men's group or at your church. So we're in part two. In part one, we talked about defining moments, right? The series is called Fully Defined. And then we talked about defining moments. And defining moments are when you experience something or you make a decision that fundamentally changes the direction of your life. And we talked about what those look like just on a practical level. Maybe you get engaged. Maybe you meet someone and through meeting them, that changes the direction of your life. Could be a friend, could be a girlfriend, could be a new business partner, right? You meet somebody, that changes. That's a defining moment for you. On the negative side, maybe you suffer a divorce. Maybe you lose uh, a loved one. Um, on the positive side, maybe you move to a new city. I think you get the picture that these moments, listen, have a transformative, effect on your life. They change a lot of things. They, they change the way you're looking at relationships. They change the way you're looking at your future. They're changing the way you look at yourself and your path in life. But of all the defining moments that we can have, the Bible says that de the decision to begin and eternally continue a relationship with God through Christ is the single most defining decision that you can make. It's number one in terms of defining moments, right? Why? Because it changes your identity, right? Now you know who you are. You know you're made by God, you're made for God, and one day you're going to God, right? And now that you know who you are, now you know what to do in life. And whatever commands your identity, then takes command of your energy. You see the influence, right? Now that I know who I am, now I know what to do and how to be and how to believe and how to behave, right? My identity commands my energy and it leads to a new expression. So that's why we've called the series Fully Defined. A relationship with Jesus Christ fully defines the man of God. And in part one, we talked about how when we say yes to the person and work of Christ and receive the gift of salvation and receive the gift of Holy Spirit impartation, God's Spirit comes inside of us, we explored then what is God's intention, his ultimate intention for salvation and Holy Spirit impartation. Well, it's to make us like Christ, to fully define our lives through the character and conduct of Christ, that we're in a process of becoming like him. Now, in part two, we wanna specifically now drill down to the next level because we talked about in part one how God's ultimate intention is that we become like Christ, that we develop Christ-likeness in our character and our conduct and how Jesus's life fully defines our life. Right? And one of the areas, the first areas of 
definition, you could say, that happens is that Jesus, Jesus's death now becomes a part of our spiritual process. We're going to we're going to drill down on that, right? And it looks like the dimension of our life that it changes is just our ways, right? Old ways die, new ways come around. And just to get us thinking in the right direction, let's just admit, guys, every man has his ways, right? It's just his patterns of thinking and his patterns of living and behaving. And sometimes those patterns of thinking and living can be manifested so consistently that we will say something to the effect of, well, I am who I am. It will be actually, our patterns will become an excuse for not risking any personal change. We'll say like, well, you know the way I am, or I am the way I am, right? And biblically, that mindset is an oxymoron. What does that mean? It's a contradictory notion to what the Bible says happens when we come into relationship with God. In fact, an unchanged life after inviting Christ into your life is an oxymoron. There's, there's no such thing. There's no such thing as an unchanged Christian, right? Because the Bible talks about that there is an exchange of ways. There's a putting to death of the old person so that a new person that God has created us to be comes about. So we're going to go down that path now because God fully defines us when he saves us. He has an ultimate intention. It's to make us like Christ. Christ's life fully defines us. Okay, so now let's drill down on Christ's life and see how the old man, as the Bible calls us, goes away and is put to death and the new man rises out of that. Um, what we're going to do in, in our session today is we're just going to talk kind of generally about what life with Jesus is like to then get into how his death mimics our spiritual process, all right? And what I did is I put at the top of your notes, Mark chapter 4, verses, verses uh, 35 to Mark chapter 5, verse 1, just to kind of tell a story and paint a picture that'll get us ready to, to go deep on this issue of being fully defined by Christ's death. So let's go to this little vignette. It's Jesus with his guys, and the Bible records this story. As evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in the boat and started out, leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. But soon a fierce storm came up, high waves were breaking into the boat, and it began to fill with water. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. The disciples woke him up, shouting, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Silence, be still. And suddenly the wind stopped, and there was a great calm. And then he asked them, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? And the disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man? They asked each other. Even the wind and waves obey him. So they arrived at the other side of the lake 
in the region of the Gerasenes, right? So you've got Jesus, you've got his guys, and they're on this journey. And I picked this story because life with Jesus is a journey, right? And let's just kind of identify some, some themes and then relate them to this process of personal change. So let's write down a couple things. Life with Jesus involves, write this down, leaving a life you used to know. Did you get kind of the flavor of the picture that was painted in this real life encounter with Jesus? You got a bunch of guys, they're standing on the shore, and then Jesus says, let's go to the other side. And he doesn't say what's gonna happen in, in the water, he doesn't say what's gonna happen in the when they land, because lots of things happen in the rest of the Gospel of Mark that are just absolutely insane. But all he says is, all right, you're on the shores now, I want you to get into the boat with me, and then I'm gonna take you to some new destinations and experiences. So let's just put that headline. Life with Jesus involves leaving the life you used to know. Every guy who got in the boat, that was a defining moment. They look back and they go, man, remember that day we got in the boat with Jesus? Everything changed. Now I think you're tracking with me, all right? Secondly, life with Jesus involves embracing the unknown in faith. Again, Jesus doesn't say, and when we get in the boat, there's gonna be this huge storm and you're gonna be scared out of your mind and you're gonna watch me take command of nature and when we get to the other side, you're gonna see me take command over evil, cast demons out, feed thousands of people with a sack lunch, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Getting in the boat was a step of faith. And when you begin a relationship with God through Jesus, you're stepping into the unknown. You can't predict what is gonna happen, what this means for you, how you're going to change, okay? Third, we see that life with Jesus involves experiencing disruption and deliverance, all right? It's a defining moment. This defining moment, when guys get in the boat with Jesus, it changes everything, right? About what they think they know about him, their life, their insides, their outsides, their purpose. But the, the storm is a great kind of metaphor uh, because when you come to know Jesus, he's gonna disrupt the old you. And he's gonna start redefining, he's gonna start shaking things up, and, and then he's gonna deliver you into a new place in space of calm. You see the feelings that were involved in here? Man, they're terrified, there's waves crashing. And then Jesus steps into that process and speaks into the process that's going on and the environment changes, right? And so we can count on some of that as we journey with Jesus. Lastly, life with Jesus involves landing safely in a new place. You can even circle that last line if you want. So they arrived at the other side of the lake in the region of the Gerasenes. You're gonna arrive at some new destinations. And so when I look at that passage, I love it because it, it kinda is um, reflective of how Jesus fully defines us. We leave the life that we used to know. And 
we get in the boat of this journey and we don't know exactly what's going to happen or how it's going to happen and but we know him our our eyes are on him and then there's some disruption you know there's some there's some moments that we have where it's just like, I don't know if this is such a great decision. I don't know if I wanted to. Why did I get in the boat? Why did I leave the safety of the shore to get into this unknown now storm of, of a personal relationship with Christ? And it's, it's changing me. And then lastly, I love it. You're always going to arrive safely with Jesus. Jesus is in your boat. Um, whether you're, he's in a physical boat with those guys or whether Jesus is in your life and he's calling you to a new destination. He's redefining you. He's changing things up. He's calling out new character and new conduct. He's going to get you there safely. Really, really important, right? So when we choose life with and in God, here's the headline. Nothing stays the same. These guys were never the same, right? Circumstantially, spiritually, inwardly, outwardly. This was a super defining moment when they got in the boat with Jesus, right? And it's important that we connect life in God to the experience of the Son of God. Now, the Bible always you know, suggests that if you're in relationship with God, you're kind of on an adventure and he's creating some new things. It talks about that in Isaiah chapter 43, verse 18. That was the case with these guys. And this is just a nice verse that kind of suggests who God is and what he's about. Listen to what it says. Forget the former things. You might want to circle that, former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. And I share that verse for this particular study because it talks about former and new things, right? And the past and what God is doing in the present for two reasons. Sometimes guys, they, they pre-qualify themselves for a relationship with God based on their past, all right? And you know what God says about your past? I've taken care of it. I've taken care of it in Christ. Even your recent past. Maybe you guys are watching this, some of you, and you're just like, man, I blew it yesterday. God's taking care of it. He wants you to focus on the present and the new work that he's doing, which we talked about in part one. And the new work, the great work in you, is he wants to use everything that's going on in your life to form Christ in you. right? And he wants you aware of that. That's why I love the language in Isaiah 43. Now, it springs up, okay? Get that? See, I sprang, I sprang up. <laughs> but that's what God wants. He wants you to go, all right, yeah, that is my past, but it doesn't disqualify me from having a relationship with God because Jesus has forgiven my sin. And now I'm entering this new process, right, with him where God's doing a new thing in me and I start to perceive it. And even though I'm like, man, I don't know what it involves, he makes a way in the wilderness and streams in the desert. In the desert. In, I look back at my life and I look at the material God had to work with when I first started walking with him. And man, on a human level, it's just like, whoa, <laughs> sure. But you know what? God took the wilderness experiences of my life and he took the, the wastelands of my life and he redeemed the wilderness 
and he redeemed the wastelands of my life. There's a few of you guys right now are going, amen, right? And there's a few of you right now, you feel like you're in a wilderness or you're in a wasteland. And you need to say amen in faith because God is at work, he's with you, he's doing a new thing, it will spring up. So that's how I wanted to start part two because it, it really suggests you know, this life with God is leaving the life that you used to know to embrace this journey with him in faith. And that journey, it's, it's not always going to be like smooth. There's going to be some disruption. There's going to be some tension. There's going to be some discomfort. But because Jesus is with you, he'll deliver you and he'll take you to the other side. So in part one, we looked at how we are fully defined by Christ's life. In part two, we want to look at how we're fully defined by Christ's death, which is a huge part of his life. And the header on your note says, fully defined, someone dies so someone can live. Again, it's important that we connect life in God to the experience of the Son of God. I'm going to say that one more time. It's important in a relationship with God that we connect life with and in God to the experience of of the Son of God. And it talks about that in Romans chapter 6, specifically the experience of Jesus' death being a reflection of what our spiritual process is going to be. It says this, now if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, is never to die again. Death no longer is master over him. We're going to get to that next week. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Now, here's the most important line. Even so, consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ. So, the Bible is talking about how our life in and with God is connected to the experiences of the Son of God. Well, what, what are the main experiences that, that we would identify with the Son of God. It's Jesus's death and it's Jesus's resurrection. So today, we're gonna talk about how our life with and in God is connected intimately with Jesus dying for sin and how that's gonna get reflected in him fully defining us, right? Now, I called attention to those two little words, even so. So it talks about Christ, and then there's that connective ligament. It's two words. Even so, consider yourselves to be dead to sin. And that is what we're going to focus on for the balance of our time. Even so, consider yourselves dead to sin. What does that involve? Write this down. It involves a new process. It involves a new process. Talks about this in Galatians chapter 2, verses 19 to 21. The Bible says this. What actually took place is this. I tried to, I tried keeping rules and working my head off to please God, and it didn't work. So I quit being lawman so that I could be God's man. Christ's life showed me how and enabled me to do it. I identified myself completely with him. Now he goes on to describe what that looks like. Indeed, I 
have been crucified with Christ. What does that look like? My ego is no longer central. It is no longer important that I appear righteous before you or have your good opinion, and I am no longer driven to impress God. Christ lives in me. The life you see me living is not mine, but it is lived by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I am not going to go back on that. Now, the language in this passage is a man of God who began a relationship with God. He was given what every Christian is given. The Apostle Paul was given the gift of salvation. The Apostle Paul was given the gift of Holy Spirit in impartation. The Apostle Paul is now on this journey to fulfill God's ultimate intention, which is to fully define himself by Christ's life because Christ is in him. And he says there, I identified myself with him completely. Indeed, I have been crucified with Christ. And that's where we wanna dive into that process. Okay, what does it mean as a man of God to be crucified with Christ? And Paul describes it a little bit. He's like, the chump is out, my ego, is no longer in control, and the champ is in. Paul is out, Christ is in, right? And he talks about this exchange of force controlling his life. He says, Christ lives in me. Can we all say that together? Christ lives in me, all right? So because there's a new force inside of us, right, and that force is in control, and that force defeats me, the old me. New force, new win, new process. And that's the process. Uh, the force of the presence of Christ through the Holy Spirit defeating the old you. Now there's, there's displacement is happening. Old is out, new is coming. I'm decreasing, Jesus is increasing. And what I want you to understand uh, with respect to this new process and Jesus fully defining us. This is what the process means. Fully defined means Christ's physical experience is now my spiritual process, right? Paul says, I no longer live. Who's I? That's the old me, right? And then he says, indeed, I've been crucified with Christ. We need to drill down on that, especially on the whole idea of the spiritual process connected to the crucifixion of Jesus. So let's talk about just the crucifixion. The crucifixion, anytime there was a crucifixion, 100% of the time, someone stopped living. Still batting a thousand. I don't know if they do that anywhere in the world today, but certainly in the first century, they were batting a thousand, right? No one survived the process with crucifixion, right? So now you hear Brother Paul, the apostle, say, my ego's not in control anymore. I, the old me, have been crucified with Christ. So based on what we just learned about crucifixion, that means that someone stopped, someone stopped having power inside of Paul, right? His old self, his ego, um, self-sufficient person. He stopped, 
he died. And now Christ is inside of him. So that's the first thing I want us to see about crucifixion. 100% of the time, somebody died. Spiritually, the old you before Christ, the old ways of thinking, the old patterns of thinking, the old beliefs, the old behaviors, right? That person, right, stops and now Christ starts replacing him. Secondly, crucifixion was a process. You know, the Romans could have executed people by just sticking a sword through someone's heart, but instead they liked to like draw it out. It was not like a, a single one minute event where someone gets stuck. No, this was across a whole day, right? There was flogging. There was carry the cross to the place where they're going to put it in. There was the nails. There was the hanging. There was, and this is, man, makes me just think about Jesus going through all this. There's the, 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 the asphyxiation, the hanging there, the separation of shoulders, the, the crown of thorns on his head just added to that horrible, horrible process. Now, what Jesus went through and, and what I wanna pull out of the process is not all the horror, but just that it's a process. Um, it wasn't just a one and done type of thing. So death, 100% of the time, somebody stops living. Two, it's a process. And Paul says that he has been crucified with Christ and it's no longer I who live, but it's Christ living in me. So there's this process of I'm on the way out, Christ is on the way in. I'm on the way out, Christ is on the way in, right? And so the forces, just to translate this practically, the forces that controlled you before, those are out and they've been replaced by Christ's presence. There's a change of leadership. So that's the process that every Christian, man or woman, is in. They're being fully defined by the life of Christ well, what's the life of Christ? Well, there's his death, all right? And his death involved crucifixion. And the Bible says that our old self has been crucified, stopped, and the new person is, is present. That's Christ in us, and he's making us new. All right, the second way that Jesus fully defines us by his death after we start this new process of the old us being crucified, the new us coming in, is now we have a new mindset. So God saves me, he puts his Holy Spirit inside of me, he begins the process of putting to death the old me, and the new process with God now starts producing a new mindset. Keyword, new, right? New process after getting in a relationship with God. New mindset, right? Talks about this in Romans chapter 6. It says this, For if we have become united with him, there's the start of the process, in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, circle that, knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with so that we would no longer be slaves to sin, for he who has died is freed from sin, right? So you have Paul talking to Christians, and he's saying, again, your old self is out, but it's not just like, oh, okay, 
But that involves this process of being crucified with Christ. That means there's a campaign to put to death sin in our lives so that we can be free from sin. I love the language. Like, and you have to know that that's your process. So if you have a relationship with God and you don't know that that's the process, then sin is just, you know, it's just going to remain in your life. Or you're going to have a, a casual relationship with sin. Well, Jesus was not sent to have a casual relationship with sin because sin held us in bondage and it separated us from God. Jesus took sin very seriously. And our mindset, once we come into a relationship with God, is we go, whoa, all right? Jesus took sin seriously. I took sin, take sin seriously. Jesus was crucified for my sins, right? I'm being crucified with Christ. I'm stopping sin, and I'm in this process of eliminating it from my life, right? And the goal is cool. It's the experience of freedom. Life is better when you're free from sin. Amen? Now, that doesn't mean sin isn't fun for a season. We wouldn't sin unless it was attractive and fun, right? But for every kick of sin, there's a kick back. And the end game of sin, the Bible says, is death and bondage, right? So it might be fun for a while, but the end game of sin is death. And that's where now, oh, okay, if I know that that's the end game, knowing this, then I got to be on a campaign to just get sin out of my life so I can be free from it, right? Because there's a weight to it. There's a consequence to it. It brings destruction and death into our lives. Kind of continuing on this theme, there's a passage in Romans 8 that just kind of talks about this new mindset. How do we think? All right, so knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him, it said in the previous passage, in order that the body of sin might be done away with. That's how we think. We're on a campaign against sin. Talks a little bit more about this in Romans 8. It says this, So then, brethren, we, all us believers, are under obligation not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you must die. But if by the Spirit, listen to this language, you are putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. That's why we started in part one talking about the gift of salvation, the gift of Holy Spirit impartation, and God's ultimate intention to make us like Christ. In this session, we're talking about, okay, he's making us like Christ, and we're going to reflect Christ's death. What does that mean? We're going to put sin to death. And here, it talks about how if you live according to the flesh, right, you, you're going to die because that's sin's partner, right? Self-gratification, self-importance, self-indulgence, right? Self-preservation, self, 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 self. Self and sin are uniquely connected, right? And self is synonymous with the flesh. I want what I want when I want it in the form that I want it, right? I, 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 self, 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 right? Those are synonymous with sin because you're on the throne. You're God, right? But then there's this transition. But if by the Spirit, and here's the process and the mindset, but if by the Spirit you're putting to death the deeds of the body, you're going to live, right? 
not just eternally, but presently. Oh my gosh. Can any of you guys remember, like me, just getting free of some of the bondage of sin and, and the consequences of that for like my relationships, how I looked at my wife or how I looked at women or just how I viewed myself and yeah, just getting sin out of the way creates clarity and life. Anybody want a little more clarity and life? Well, get into the process of being fully identified with Christ. Get into the process of crucifying sin in your life, putting it to death and as much as you possibly can every day, and start thinking that that is the plan for you. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. <clears throat> so I want you to see this really quickly. Paul is saying, hey, man of God, you got a new mindset, you got a new coach, the Spirit of God, planted inside of you, part one, planted inside of you, and that new coach is, is leading you right? To put sin to death, put it out of your life. What does that mean? Well, think about it. When you put something to death, it means you eliminate its power. You remove it, right? You remove it from, from existence, right? Or, you know, you just avoid it. You're not going to be encountering that. Or you structure your life, which is where we're headed, um, in a way that eliminates it. So let's talk about now, we've got new process, right? New mindset, what does that mean now for us practically? Fully defined means, write this down, eliminating the mindset that permits the behavior of sin. Eliminating the mindset that permits the behavior of sin. And I wanna drill down on this really specifically. Um, it reminds me of when William Wilberforce, who because of his energy and efforts, ended human slavery in the British Empire. Um, you know, they, he eventually got some legislation passed that prohibited human slavery. And someone congratulated him on that, and his response was, well, that's not the victory. The victory is when we eliminate the mindset that permitted human slavery. And that's instructive whenever we're talking about kind of the root cause versus the symptom. When you see the symptom of sin, it's because there was a thinking process before there was a sinning process. And so if you want to get to the root of sin, you got to get to the mindset. So now I know I'm in this new process. I'm identifying, being fully identified by the life of Christ. He died for sin. I'm dying to sin, right? And now I have to think like that. I have to participate with my new coach, the Holy Spirit, who is planted in my life, and I gotta listen to the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit's gonna tell you, don't do that. That doesn't align with God's word. This is not going to show love for God. This is not going to show love for people, right? And then that reveals our identity right, that we're truly sons of God if we're allowing the life of Christ and the death of Christ to fully define us, man, we're putting sin to bed. We're eliminating it, we're removing it. And so being fully defined by Christ's death means eliminating the mindset that permits the behavior of sin. How do you do that? Well, this is a great 
place to be for that. You should tell every every Christian dude that you know, man, get to the men's global live stream. Why? Because we're changing the way we think about ourselves. We're letting God fully define us, letting Christ fully define us. We're getting a new mindset, right? And it helps us in our new process of becoming like Christ and gives us that mindset which moves the process along. So, Say this with me, new process. Now say new mindset. Now say new lifestyle. And this is the coolest part, and I'm gonna finish up with this, right? My living reflects my truest thinking. So if I'm thinking, wow, this relationship with God is supposed to fully define me. That's God's ultimate intention. If I'm thinking, that process I'm in is I'm fully identifying myself with the life of Christ. If I'm thinking, well, if I identify fully with Christ, I'm identifying with his death, which then leads me to go, oh, his death. He put sin to death. I put sin to death in my life. I'm fully identifying. That process of thinking is going to lead to a new process of living, which we call a lifestyle. Right? It talks about this in the Bible in Colossians chapter 3. It says this, Therefore, consider the members of your earthly body as dead to immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, greed, which amounts to idolatry, for it is because of these things that the wrath of God will come upon the sons of disobedience. Listen, and in them you also once walked when you were living in them. But now, circle that, you also put them all aside. Got a new lifestyle. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive speech from your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you laid aside the old self with its evil practices and have put on the new self who is being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. So what you see is that classic before and after, right? The before is, you know what? You used to be immoral, you used to have impurity, passion, evil desires, greed. You're an idolater, you're, you're godless, you're, you're God, right? And it's because of that, that kind of lifestyle that the wrath of God, the judgment of God is gonna come and the Bible is being clear. In them you once walked. Right? That was your lifestyle before. I want you to see that. When you were living in them. Okay? Them being those ways to be and believe and behave. So there's, there's a lifestyle that you had without God. Then there's a big transition. It says, but now. And then it describes this lifestyle of truthfulness, um, non-harshness. You're not controlled by anger or malice or slander. Your heart's different. You tell the truth. And what's that lifestyle look like? It looks like you're laying aside your, your old practices. Like, you know, when you lay something aside, you know, laying aside your old self. You just, it's, it's when you set it aside. It's when you put it out of the way so that it's not a stumbling block anymore. And you're putting on the new self, right? It's just like, imagine taking off clothes, right? You're just like, okay, uh, someone brings you kind of this, this nice, you know, suit, you're wearing your old clothes, just like 
You take those off, you put that on. Put off, put on. And that is the new lifestyle. The lifestyle of putting off the old me, putting on the new me in Christ. Putting off sin, putting on righteousness, right? It's, a, it's an exchange, and so this is now my lifestyle. So I've entered this relationship, I'm in this new process, I got a new mindset. The way I'm thinking about myself, I'm fully defined by Christ. What does it look like? Well, I'm gonna put sin to death, and that's my lifestyle. Versus what? Versus just something that I do when I go to church, or I clean up my mouth when I'm talking with a pastor, or I go to Bible study and men's group, and then I'm, I'm one guy here, and then I'm another guy when I leave the Bible study, all right? That's not a lifestyle, right? That's called compartmentalization, right? That's called acting. You act one way in front of some people, and you act differently in front of other people. No, the process we have with Jesus of him fully defining us, it is a complete lifestyle, right? Every dimension of our lives, right? Our lifestyle in relationships, our lifestyle at work, our lifestyle in family, our lifestyle with our finances, our lifestyle and how we are in our emotions, right? And how we have self-control, our lifestyle as we face challenges, as we receive um, blessings, right? It's a lifestyle, right? Talks about this in Luke 14, 28 to 30. And I love Jesus's words because he's talking about building a life and the metaphor for the life is the tower. Listen to Jesus's words, listen for the word tower. It says, for which one of you when he wants to build a tower? Okay, that's a life. Does not first sit down and calculate the cost to see if he has enough to complete it. Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish it, all who observe it begin to ridicule him saying, this man began to build but was not able to finish. Right, so you get the picture, right? A guy's building a tower, but he hasn't really thought it through. He doesn't know what it really means. He doesn't know what it takes. He's not, doesn't have the whole picture. So he starts something, but then he doesn't finish it. And that's kind of why we need to do this series fully defined is that you need to understand what a relationship with God really looks like from inception and salvation and Holy Spirit impartation to the process of becoming like Christ and then fully identifying yourself in Christ. That's God's ultimate intention. What does that involve? Jesus dies for sin, I die to sin as a lifestyle, which means that I probably have some new boundaries in my life because I wanna stay in that process. I wanna live in God's love. I wanna stay spirit-filled. I wanna stay God's man. I wanna keep putting sin to death in my life, but you gotta count the cost. And so some of us that are listening right now, we're thinking to ourselves, man, you know what? I don't think I've counted the cost. I just thought I could blend my old lifestyle with my new lifestyle, you know? And just kinda make it, no, that's not what the Bible's saying. Clearly, there is a before and there is an after, right? And the before is the old you, the, the, the after is the new you. And, and it's just like when Jesus talks about counting the cost, it makes me think of, I, of my mental health worker days when I was working with people who wanted to get free from alcoholism. So they would go through a program and then um, they would be put in an environment and they'd start learning a new lifestyle, right? 
a lifestyle without alcohol, a lifestyle that's filled with people and meetings and new inputs, right? They were in a new environment, but eventually their, their time with us would transition and their discharge date would come when they had to go back in to their old environment and live the lifestyle that they learned when they were in treatment. And we would always give somebody a discharge plan. And the discharge plan basically scripted their lifestyle for the next 90 days. You're gonna go to meetings every day. You're gonna have a sponsor. You're going to do reading, right? This is where you can go, this is where you can't go. And if you want to stay free from alcohol, you will count the cost of the lifestyle you now have to live. And you're gonna have to discipline yourself in this new lifestyle in order to stay free of your addiction and to maintain your sobriety. Does that make sense? Like the Bible tells us, and Jesus tells us in this tower analogy, all right, so you gotta count the cost. It means having some, having some new boundaries. So let's, let's put in our, what fully defined means fill in underneath new lifestyle. It means arranging my life so that sin is starved to death, right? So now your life in Christ, there's, you know, maybe for a short time, some, some people you don't hang out with. There's maybe some new relationships that you do invest some energy. There's some places where you don't go. There's some places where you do go. Uh, there's some environments uh, that you probably should avoid. And there's some new environments that you need to put yourself in. You follow me? Does this sound like the language of boundaries? If it does, it is, right? You arrange your life in such a way so that sin is starved. You remove the pressure by removing yourself. You have rules, listen to me, in advance, right? That's what a boundary is. That's part of counting the cost of putting sin to death, right? I know in advance where I will and where I will not go. I know in advance where what I will or will not do. I know in advance, right, what I, what I should be looking at and what I shouldn't be looking at. Or if something, I know in advance, if something, you know, ambushes me and just, I, I have a plan to avoid staying in that environment, which could lead to sin in advance, right? Keywords, in advance, right? And that's what Jesus was getting at, right? We gotta calculate the cost. You have a new lifestyle, new sets of relationships, new environments, new disciplines, right? Of prayer and Bible study and worship, right? And all of those new disciplines and new boundaries, as you arrange your new life in Christ, they, they have an intention. Man, it starves sin in your life. Now, I know that I'm talking to some guys right now. You need to rearrange your life a little to help you succeed in your relationship with Christ and to put sin out of your life, to remove it, to eliminate it. And that may involve some new, some new rules for you that you're gonna respect. Some new fluorescent lines that in your life where it's just like, you know what? I love Jesus more than I love that sin. Jesus died for sin, I died to sin. So that means I'm not going there. Or that means I'm putting a filter on my computer. Or that means that 
I'm not looking at certain things or I'm not hanging out with those because I know that if I allow myself on a regular basis in my lifestyle to look at those things, to be with those people, to be in those environments, right? I'm going to get into sin. And Jesus says, nope, I died for sin. My word says you die to sin. And those, those boundaries that you have are going to help you do that. So here we go, man. And I'm glad, I'm excited for next week because being fully defined by Christ means his life is my life. His death involves me putting sin to death. But next week we're going to talk about his resurrection because Jesus lived a life. He died a death. He came alive again on earth. That's our spiritual process too. We're living life with him, we're dying to sin, but we're also coming alive to God's purposes, and that's what we're gonna talk about next week, all right? Tell a friend, and we'll see you then.